Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. I'm your host, William Hayashi, and uh, this is the January 20th, 2017 edition. Apparently, there was something going on in the news today. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Barack Obama moved out of the White House, um, and uh, some other things went on. I wasn't really paying attention. I was uh, helping a friend and uh, binge-watching Doctor Who so that I didn't have to I didn't have to actually watch what was going on in the news. Tonight's special guest is Jackie Loggins. And it, is it Loggins, Jackie? Yes, it's Loggins. Okay, I just want to make sure because I know mm-hmm. how it's pronounced for somebody else. I hate mispronouncing somebody's names. Um, <laughs> an author of, uh, of several several books, and I like, I like the play on words of one of them. It's called Murder, She Posts, and she has mm-hmm. these blue posts. But, and so I, I love that because that's a great joke. It's a very, a very good sight gag. But um, you, you've been a writer for a while. And, oh, where are you coming to us from today? Um, Osdale, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Uh-huh. And how's your weather? It was nice and sunny today, actually. It don't seem like January at all, but I am originally from Mississippi. I want to add that because I always have to represent my home. Okay, mm-hmm. and and so it, it, I, I have to, I'm kind of like you. It was nice up here in Chicago. Um, I didn't even have to zip up my coat today, oh. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to say anything more about it just in case somebody wants to change the weather on me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was pretty nice. I mean, the, the, the cool thing about having warmer, little warm spells in January and February, at least for us up here, is it, it kind of, it it feels good after it's been too cold or you've had too much snow. But yeah. then people get stupid and they think, oh, spring is here in February. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and excuse me for saying so, but as soon as it warms up like that, white folks are out there jogging around in their shorts. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, hey, you know, it, you it, it, I guess it works for them. We're tropical people, so they're more adjusted to the frigid weather, you know, when you think about their well, origin. But, with, like, uh, yeah, but they, had, you know. they had Vikings. They had Vikings, you know. They had some cold weather. You know, you got that whole, that whole Netherlands area. They got cold. So yeah, but see, I, we, we I get just, cold quicker than they do. Well, th- no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But I just, you know, you're you're trying to make a, you know, kind of like a a genetic excuse for them. I just think they're crazy. Okay. <laughs> well, that that, too, that that can be genetic. Crazy can be genetic. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> All right. So so you you were you were raised up in Mississippi. That's right. And and how long were you there before you left? Uh, let's see. I moved here in 2012. 
Uh-huh. That, was, that was the same and, year I wrote my first book. Yeah, and so um, you basically grew up in Mississippi. Right. And, um, you know, I always ask people, you know, was there a time when you were growing up, elementary school, before elementary school, high school, whatever, where you either felt or saw or kind of became attached to, you know, your writing, in your case writing, and other people it could be art or whatever, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was it something you saw in yourself early on? Were you a storyteller early on, or 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 is this kind of a you know a come lately kind of skill? Like for me, my first mm-hmm. book I wrote in two thousand one, and uh-huh. I think I was like eighty four or eighty five in two thousand. Well, maybe not that old, but okay. you know, it was late for me. No, no, no okay. I'm serious. I never thought about writing until much much later. How was it with you? Oh, man, I grew up in a family of storytellers. Um, actually, it came from two people. It came from my grandmother, and it came from my dad. My dad, I think he always had this lifelong dream of being an actor in Westerns. So when he would tell us bedtime stories, he would always tell the stories in the form of Westerns. And he would tell okay. it so vividly and so realistically that we'd be wondering, like, man, is this true? So that <laughs> kind of gave me, that, that gave me my gift of storytelling. And as far as books, um, my grandmother, she was an avid reader. Like whenever, if she wasn't working or cleaning up or doing laundry or cooking, she was reading. Like, uh-huh. I mean, all the time. And like her and the older ladies in the community would always swap out books. And at first, I was like, oh, that's kind of lame. I don't want to read no book. I have to read in school. But then I was like, man, she reads so much. It must be something good about this. So I um, went to the thrift store. My mom, I remember as a kid, and I was like, I'm gonna get me a book. I'm gonna try reading, you know, because I wanted to kind of emulate my grandmother because I stayed with her a lot. And I got this, um, it was a horror book. It was like an anthology of horror, short horror stories. And right. when I when I started reading, I was like, man, this is kind of cool. You know, I, I got all into the stories and stuff. And before you know it, I was like her. I was reading. I was swapping books with my friends at school. And before, you know, and that and that's where, you know, those two things kind of meshed together. Came together. It kind of developed, and then with me being a natural artist anyway, being naturally creative, I mean, I guess it was just something that was meant to be. Well, and you you were like an artist for like drawing, is that what you mean, uh-huh. that kind of artist? Drawing, um, I used to, um, I would draw. I used to make dolls because like whenever I go to the store, like my dad would buy me, I had like, one day he went to, took me to the store and bought me like 15 Barbie dolls, but most of them were white. And I was like, man, I wish they would have, like, dolls the way I wanted to look. So I started making paper dolls and kind of, you know, making them look the way I wanted them to look. Because, I don't know, I just always desire having that creative control. So, you know, yeah, all my life I grew up uh, creative. I think I was born with my head in the clouds. I don't know. I've been weird. You know, people always call me well, weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's it's like head in the clouds, but, I mean, some people have – like creativity around them, you know, like they'll, yeah. they'll like they'll do the dolls, or they'll they'll make up plays, or they'll they'll make up songs, or they'll write poetry, you know, just something. There's some sort of creative spirit around them, mm-hmm. and and the, the, I think the best of those people are the ones who are nurtured by the people around them and never give up. That, that and kind that of was creative my spirit. thing. I didn't get the nurturing. Like I got it from like certain family members, but like in school, when I would be in school, like I'll be 
sketching out a, a picture of a celebrity or a drawing, and people always say, well, that'll never take you anywhere. Even teachers, they'll never take you anywhere. Or my classmates will say the only successful artists are the ones who are dead and stuff like that. So it was always frowned upon. Like if you weren't like an A-plus, you know, brick-and-mortar type of, you know, technical smart person, then anything creative right. or anything out of the norm was frowned upon. Even sometimes with my family, like I would, as a kid, you know, I would try to write short stories. Like one time I wrote a short story about a vampire in New Orleans, and I like, you know, hey, Mom, now I want you to read this. Look what I wrote. And they read, and they was like, girl, go find something to do. And it kind of discouraged <laughs> me, and I stopped. <laughs> and I stopped, you know, versus if they would say, oh, you know what, this is good. You should work on this more. You know, let me go get you some more paper. Ain't no telling where I would be now, but, you know, at this point, it's neither here nor there. The only thing I can do is start from where I am. But, you know, as, as kids, and even kids today, it's important to nurture their talent and their, you know, skills. Well, I, I see that. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who, when they told, like, like comic creators or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they would tell their parents, well, this is what I want to do. I want to be an artist. I want right. to be a comic creator. I want to, you know, whatever. And, and of course, you know, when they did not get the encouragement, mm-hmm. they they found out later or they discovered that it was because the parents were thinking, well, how are you going to make a living at this? Right. You know, or how are right. you, you know. Um, right. You know, and, and for, for, for girls, younger girls, I think that also – there's there's some sociological impact that the parents are applying to what their girls want to do. <laughs> not like, how you going to get a good man telling stories? You know, not like that, mm-hmm. but but just, you know, where where are you going to go? And and even even when they kind of discouraged you, did you keep going on your own or, or you were, you know, were you discouraged? I was discouraged with the writing, but I kept going with other things. Like, you know, I kept going uh-huh. with the drawing. I kept going with making dolls. You know, I eventually got into, like, doing hair, and, and eventually, you know, I got into making, you know, films and doing, like, you know, writing TV shows and stuff like that for public access. So even though I didn't keep exploring that medium, I kept going, you know, with being creative because that's who I am. I can't cancel that part of myself out. Regardless of how, right. you know, somebody may try to discourage me, even if it's just being discouraged out of, you know, people discouraging me out of ignorance. You know, that's just something I've never really been able to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so you said you kept going, okay, so you didn't write. What about the art part? Um. Well, I kept drawing. And uh, once, uh-huh. I, once I um, grew up into adulthood, um. I started, I studied graphic design and eventually studied broadcasting. And like I said, I started um, producing shows for public access in Jackson, Mississippi. I would go, we mm-hmm. had a show called Artist Blues where me and my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but we would go around the city and we would, diff, we would interview different artists. Like each episode was about, like we would interview people who made quilts, people who rap, people who paint, uh, people who own, you know, clubs and stuff like that. And right. it was fun, like, learning about all the different things that people did. So, you know, it always and, came and, out in some form or another. So, I mean, that was that must have been encouraging to you to see all of these different creatives doing all these different things, right? Right, right, right. And it was fun. 
Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you your first book. You did your first book when you moved away from your, you know, I guess your childhood home. Uh-huh. Was 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 your first book a long project? You know, was it something you'd been working on for a while, or uh-huh. or uh-huh. you just sat down and wrote? Uh-huh. Uh Because people kept telling me, "Girl, you can write a book." Girl, you. Can. It's funny as a kid, they like go find something else to do, but as an adult, you know, you can write a book. You can write a book. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. Everybody keep telling me I can write a book. So, um, it was you, you wrote a book. Yeah, it was close to it was like after Thanksgiving and I was you know, I was up here uh-huh. and like here my family is back home and it's just me and my husband and like a couple of relatives sprinkled here and there in the Atlanta area and I was sitting around right. lonely, you know, kinda of depressed, you know, because sometimes the holidays suck for me. But <laughs> I said, you know what? Was it you mean like because you weren't with your, your main you know, your big yeah. family gathering? Right. Right. Okay. And um and it's just something about the coming of the wintertime that kind of put me in an, in a type of emotional, spiritual funk. I don't know what it is. But I sure. just said, you know, you know what, let's do it. So I sat down, I kind of brainstormed, I got me some note cards, and I, you know, I thought of a story, and I wrote mm-hmm. down, I, I took the note cards and I jotted down, like, the, the basis of what happens in each, you know, like the first, almost second. like like yeah. storyboarding for a movie. So, yeah, right, right. And I, you know, and I kind of mapped it out. And then once I mapped it out, I created, I did character creation. I took some sheets. I took like sheets of paper, and I wrote down like the character's name, description of the character. You know, kind of fleshed that person out for each character. And once I had all uh-huh. that stuff laid out, I just went to writing. And even though it wasn't a long book, you know, I said um, I wrote it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to put this on Amazon. So I went on Google and I went on YouTube to kind of research how do you lay out a Kindle book, um, what, you know, what kind of software. And I found all that stuff out. And once, you know, I got it edited, I laid it out and everything. I designed my own cover. And that's when um, I published I published two books back-to-back. I published The Storm Machine and I published The Goodman Wife. Like in the same within before, like in that, I think it was the, from the end of November mm-hmm. to like the middle of December. I put I published two books. Like I said, they weren't very long books, but I was proud. Now, when when you, if, first of all, your process is pretty methodical, you know, and and organized. Um, that's uh, it's like the same process I had when I had to write my first script, but I was under mm-hmm. pressure, having a nervous breakdown. But, but to have that that degree of organization, are are you generally a really organized person like that, or was this just the best way you thought it to do it because it would help you hang on to all of the pieces to get them to work together? Well, Is it in your nature to be real methodical? Yeah. No, no. Naturally, I am a. Uh, no, not at all. I'm like the I'm like the naturally I'm the opposite of organized. But you know, if you go through life and life kick your ass long enough, then you learn <laughs> to be organized. I learn, you know. Oh, okay. I, I, sure. I've had my I've had my butt kicked in life long enough to know that okay, either I'm gonna do the shit right or I'm not gonna do it. So I just learned right. to do things right. And and where did the idea for the story come from? You know, um. um um, the Go ball ahead. machine, 
Oh, sorry. The sewing machine is basically a story about, uh, you know, this lady. She's married, got her own family, and her grandmother's sick in the hospital. And it's kind of like what you see with most families. I know especially where I'm from, where when you have that um, sick mother or sick older relative, and it seems like everything follow on them, mm-hmm. you know, like mama's sick. Like, it, like say, if, if your mother's sick, it's always going to be that one child that everything's going to fall on. The one child is going to always be over there taking care of her, making sure she's taking her medicine while everybody else just, you know, twiddling their thumbs and going on with their little lives, you know. So I thought, <laughs> right. about, I thought about that concept, and that's, why I, and that's how I um, came up with the sewing machine where, you know, everything was falling on her, but something happened in the story where everybody else had to get out their butts and help. So it's kind and, of, and so, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's kind of, well, I mean, it, it, first of all, it sounds very, very true to life because that's a situation that a lot of people can relate to. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people can relate to, you know, either having a family member that, that is in need or maybe not in the best of health or, or living too far away or, you know, name your X, Y, or Z situation. Um, right. So I, I, when when you crafted the story, did you did you consciously decide to craft it, you know, in in that level of realism, you know, kind of like uh, something that people can relate to? Um, I don't want you to give away too much of the story, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. When you go ahead, when you went ahead and you crafted that story, was it based upon like something that maybe was relatable that happened in your life, or did you create the story out of whole cloth? You said, okay, this is a good story. These are good good uh, little vignettes in it. This is, a, this is a good subplot. You know, how, how, what was the genesis of the, origin, the story's origin? Most of my stories are um, borrowed from things in life. Um, the, the, I guess the basis of the story or the origin just comes from watching my mother all my life because she is that person uh-huh. that, that everybody goes to. She is that person that's going to be somewhere, you know, washing somebody's face or making sure that somebody's got their meds, you know. She's like that person that gives so much of herself that sometimes mm-hmm. when it comes to having enough for her, she don't. So, you know, it was just real easy for me to look at the things that I saw her do growing up that, right. you know, I, I bought from her experiences, you know, to, to you know, put into my story. And and then when, you know, I think uh, one of the blurbs that I read about you, and, you know, I, I try, I try, I, I have a dual-edged sword on kind of um, preparation for the show. If mm-hmm. I over-prepare, then I forget to, do, to, to ask about things because I go, well, I already know that, which okay. is really stupid. I'm not really the smartest person in the world, but um, had I been the, really, the, the smartest person in the world, we never would have met. So this is good. Right. Uh, <laughs> when, okay, so so you, what genre do do you consider your first, you know, the sewing machine to be? Um, African American family drama, just you okay. know, a, a family drama. I, I I eventually evolved into um like black science fiction, Afrofuturism. I didn't start uh-huh. out, you know, it just eventually went that way, you know, I started out like the first one was, you know, the family drama. The second story was about, you know, it's like a a romance and it was about a woman who's married to a man that's a sociopath and, and that's narcissistic. And then once I got um 
to the third, you know, Mama's Pills, that's when I got into the horror and fantasy. And then Murder, She Post is like another um, another drama. And, you know, it was basically kind of a lesson of being, you know, be careful what you put on social media. And, you know, the last story, I it kind of, I started reading Octavia Butler, and that's what got me into um, science fiction. You know, I was like, right. okay, once I read her stories, I was like, okay, this is my this is my genre. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to, you know, be. Were you drawn to kind of like the fact that you could do what ifs, you know, what and, and instead of, you know, kind of being drawn to, I mean, the family drama thing is obvious. You know, everybody goes through life. Right. And people like to read about things that are familiar, things that they can relate to. But mm-hmm. then for you to take that, I mean, that's almost like a left turn to decide mm-hmm. to get into speculative fiction. What mm-hmm. was it about science fiction and, and, and what you read of Octavia Butler that kind of, that, that really rang your bell, that, that pulled you in that direction? Oh, man, I could talk all night about Octavia. Well, that's Everything. what we're here I, for. I started out, with, um, <laughs> I started out, I read, um, Dawn, you know, um, Lilith's group, and just just seeing, you know, black people, in, in, you know, just reading about us being in science fiction stories, reading about us being on the spaceship and, 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 and partnering with the aliens, you know, like, right. like she did when she had to wake up and kind of help them reestablish humanity on Earth. Or like um, in Yahoo and Doro, you know, they they hold little romantic, you know, drama that lasted for centuries. You know, just seeing us in, you know, in that character, you know, because when you when I you know I love shows like Game of Thrones and all that, but the the main characters, the story, you know, is is never us. Like you may see a couple black people, but we're like side characters or the token. But to see, you know, us, and I'm like. Dang, this is what I want to do, you know. And then I heard David Bailey, he told a story once about how the little black girl was crying because there were no black people on the Jetsons and, she, and how she was saying, does that mean that we're not in the future? And I'm like, right. you know what, this, this is, you know. You okay there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm oh. fine, you know, and it's no, like... No, no, I just heard, I heard some static. But well, it sounds like you're drawn to, like, the, the epic-sized stories. Right. You know, big stories sure. about big issues, um, big issues that include people who look, sound, and act like you. Right, because I don't see... I, in growing up, I never saw that a lot. I mean, I've always been drawn to, like, the supernatural, you know, like, the horror stuff, you know, Jason, Freddy, Night of the Living Dead, X-Files, um, the lost, movies like The Lost Boys, but they never looked like me. And if they did look like me, they were always probably killed in the first or second scene, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, and to have us in the, you know, in the lead, you know, carrying a, in a, an important role, you know, an important position in the story, I think that it's important for, you know, black authors especially to start doing that, you know, you know, kind of think outside the box because, you know, yeah, it's good to write about, you know, the pretty girl in the neighborhood dating a dope boy and she grew up to be the, the trap queen and all that. But at the same time, what about the, the black female who becomes the captain of a Starfleet? You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, to, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, I just feel the need to tell different, you know, more epic type stories, even if they're short stories, you know, just something to kind of make us think, you know. Yeah, no, and, okay, so um, it sounds like you kind of came by the, you know, the the interest in science fiction, speculative fiction, fantasy, what have you, later when you Mm -hmm. were, when you were growing up and you were reading all those books, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that, that were going back and forth, um, what kind of stuff were you reading at that time? Oh, man. Um, sometimes it'd just be little random horror books. Uh, I read okay. Stephen King. Um, my favorite uh-huh. book by him, I think he was writing it under the um, the pen name Richard Bachman called The Regulators. And right. it, it was uh, it was basically a story about a little boy named Seth. He, was, he had autism, but he, he was sharing his body with this demon. And what would happen is the demon sometimes would come in and take over, and he would materialize people from the little boy's fantasies, like people from his cart, people from the cartoons he would watch, or people from the characters from the western he was wa- he would watch. And those characters would go in the neighborhood and like kill or terrorize the people in that community. So it end up the community had to kind of fight for their lives, you know, while everything around them gradually changed into you know, the little boy's fantasy. That's one in particular. That's one of my favorite. Um, I read the Dark Tower series. I had a lot of, like, Stephen King stuff. And, sure. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. I read a lot of scary stuff. Um, and me and my grandmother, we used to read, you know, we was reading the Left Behind series. I think we was reading that around the time she passed because I never, I never finished it because once she passed away, I didn't really want to read it anymore because I was reading it with her, you know. Sure. Oh yeah. All yeah. right. So, so you've got you've kind of you, you know you had a good grounding in in horror, and yeah. um, <laughs> and well, no, I mean you know it's it's good to look at the evolution of of someone's not the skills, but at least the you know where they ta- where they want to apply their talent. And right. so you know you got the horror thing, you got the science fiction thing. Um, <laughs> excuse me. It, mm-hmm. Just in terms of your early career, what kind of responses did you get to to kind of like the family drama um, offerings had, that you would put I had, together? Um, I had a few little uh, fans, not very many. You know, it ain't like the book blew up or nothing like that. But you know, I got a lot of I got a lot of the um, positive responses from people I knew, and then people who knew people I knew, like people would contact me and be like, "Girl, my friend said she loved your book. She said that was a good story." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I get you. Um. So, so at least they they obviously held the interest of these people. When mm-hmm. now, when you decided to switch and said, "You know what? I'm going to do these epic tales of the future of." different kinds of things going on. What, did you have a hesitation thinking that maybe you were walking outside, not necessarily your comfort zone, but the comfort zone of the people who had, who had already read you and liked you? Some people I don't like to do that. that. You know, they stay in their lane, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm just I, curious, did you, did you even think about that? Yeah, I did, because uh, when I was doing research on, like, writing and marketing and stuff like that, um, you know, uh-huh. I had read where somebody was saying, like, you have to stay, you know, if you write in a certain um, genre, 
you have to stay in that genre, or if you want to write a different genre, then you need to create a different uh, pen name because then the people who are already reading your stories, they'll think, you know, they'll feel betrayed. But I'm like, okay, I only have like a, two books, two or three books that's in that genre. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just went on and I just went on and, and, and changed genres because I, you know, because that's what my heart was. You know, like sure. I, I sure. enjoyed writing the first couple books about the family drama, but it just, it just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the direction that I, it wasn't the place <clears throat> I wanted to stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you said you wrote Sewing Machine and The Goodman Wife, kind of almost mm-hmm. like back to back. Give us, give us a little synopsis of um, The Goodman Wife. Oh man! I'm, and okay. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to know how you came up with the title. You um, know, because your your title, I you know, the sewing machine. Okay, you don't <clears throat> you don't tell about that. You know, you can't uh-huh. tell from the title. But I really, and and for those people here, I'm going to put the link in the chat room for those people who are listening live. You people checking this out as a podcast, um, just look up uh, Jackie Loggins at Amazon to see the um the book covers. You know, uh, tell tell us a little bit about how you titled The Goodman Wife and also, you know, a little bit about the story. Okay, well, The Goodman Wife, the name the good the name Goodman is the last name of the person. Um I was in oh, a relationship. Okay. I was in a relationship with somebody who was narcissistic and he was emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. And, and verbally abusive, and he knew how to play a lot of, you know, mind games and stuff. So mm-hmm. that book was kind of therapeutic for me because it was, you know, I was kind of, I guess, releasing all the, the pain and stuff that was left over from the relationship, you know. Sure. So it was just, me, you know, it's just something that I went through, and I just took it and created a story, crafted a story, yeah. And and it was cathartic for you because you kind of got it yeah. all out. Yeah, and I and I think that it's mm-hmm. important, and I think that it's important, you know, and I and I hopefully to help somebody because I think it's important to know who you're dating, and I think that it's mm-hmm. important to, to recognize when you're dating someone who is a sociopath or someone who is narcissistic or someone who is emotionally, you know, and verbally, you know, abusive and physically abusive. But a lot of times people think, well, if he's not hitting you, then you can deal with it. But a lot of times, you know, words can hurt, you know, people playing with your oh, mind. You know, people playing with your mind, that can have an effect on you. So, Sounds a lot like our current president. Oh, yeah, uh, I said it. I went Lord. there. Uh-huh. Damn skippy, I went there. Oh, anyway, I, let's, we'll, we'll I just, am not worried we'll about Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. I think it's a great yeah. opportunity, actually, yeah, because you know what? Stupid people are much easier to play than smart people, and right. he's got a whole lot of stupid around him. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I got I got liberal friends who are crying, who are upset, who are going, "Oh, I'm so depressed." I'm I'm just laughing all the way to the bank because uh, anyway. My thing is, our people been catching hell ever since we hit the shores of this continent, and uh-huh. we and we've made it through a lot of a lot of struggles and stuff, so I ain't scared. No, you know, most so. of us are going to do fine. 
I think yeah. the people who are going to suffer the most are the dumbasses who voted for him. Because yeah. we black people, we know what's up. We oh yeah. Up. Well, <laughs> the, the, the best part is all of these people who who you know are talking about you know they're on the Affordable Care Act. They got insurance for the first time in however long. They they got on that Medicaid expansion program, and mm-hmm. and you know they're that they know that it's the Affordable Care Act. They like that, but they hate mm-hmm. Obamacare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I think one of the late night guys, you know Jimmy Kimmel or somebody who went out and was interviewing people and say, well, well, what do you think about the, the Affordable Care Act? And they go, well, I really love that. What about Obamacare? Oh no, I don't want to have anything to do with Obamacare. So oh, God. you know what happened is you know the ubiquity of the dumbing down of white folks in America just caught up with us. That's all. Yeah. Um, now. Now let's talk about the other two. What was next when you wrote Mama's Pills or Murder She Post? Mama's Pills. Well, okay. Mama's Pills. And, and what? And what was that about? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a mother, um, and she is she is in an abusive relationship. Um, her husband, he's kind of he's unemployed or underemployed. And, you know, they're going through, you know, money troubles, and it's causing him to become more violent. But okay. he's not, he is not, like, he is a danger in the household, but he is not the real danger in the household. And this mama, she has to depend on her pills that she can't find to keep the real danger from coming forth. And it's a supernatural right. horror story. And it's a twist at the end when you find out, like, what really happened to the kids. Don't tell. Okay, all right. Yeah. Don't tell yeah. everybody. Oh, uh-uh, I can't tell. Make, <laughs> uh-uh, no. No, you don't want to give away the good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, and then the last, uh, the, the last one that's listed here, at least on your Amazon page, Murder, She Post? Yeah. It uh, says murder? it's a short story. What, go ahead. Yeah, it's um, basically um, this woman she's um dating a married man and she is using social media to bully his wife into leaving him but it backfires oh, on her in a horrific in a horrific way <laughs> that's okay the, i'm sensing a little theme in your work here girl that's a, it's, it's just a lesson because i always see people on social media posting little messy underhanded stuff and like right and you don't know, like, what kind of danger you put yourself in. And I didn't figure out Facebook was so um, dangerous until one day I went to court. Um, I was actually in there to get somebody out of jail, a family member out of jail, because they had um, got got put in jail over some unpaid tickets. And I'm sitting there right. waiting on his trial to come up, and I'm telling you, every other case was about something that started on Facebook. And it, and it got to be so many different cases about, well, they got on Facebook and, and tagged me and said, and the judge said, you know what, I'm sick of hearing about Facebook. The next people, the, the next person come over and talk about Facebook, I'm sending everybody to jail. It was just oh, that many people. I was like, oh, my God, I Facebook is off the chain. Well, it's not Facebook, it's people. I mean, first of I all, know, but... you know, people think it's the anonymity of being online. You know, they could do and say whatever they want. Right. And then I don't know too many people's profiles on Facebook that really demonstrate who the person is because you're allowed to to portray yourself any way you'd like. 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you know, and, and people tend to want to portray themselves very positively. Um, right. I just joined Facebook like four weeks ago because I thought it was silly. What? Except that, well, here's the thing. I had to do it in order to help market my own books. Okay. 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 So, so when you when you look at it as a tool like that, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I put up I put up some pictures of me just you know as bait, clickbait, so people would go, oh, isn't he cute? You know, as a baby and stuff, just to get things started. But man. You know, I'm like you. I, I look at what people post up on their 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 own pages, and some of it's just absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't I did not know that you could go all day in court, and every case is based upon some nonsense that happened every on Facebook. Every other I, case was Facebook. Uh, I mean, fights, people get shot at. All kinds of stuff. And the judge got so tired of hearing Facebook, he said the next people to come up talking about Facebook are going straight to jail automatically. I was like, and I was in there all day, like hours, because, you know, it was just so many different cases before. Yeah, you had to wait. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I was like, man. But um, that was, and that was, uh, yeah, that's the, now that's the last one that I have that's already published, but I have one that's coming out at the end of the month, January the thirty first, and that's my debut um science fiction. Like straight up. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's um called Anna Rising and it's book one of the Creator Gene trilogy. Okay, and, and so let's let's talk about that. You're you're making a genre change. Which is mm-hmm. kind of a left turn, but I mean, you know, people people who are creative ought to be able to create however they want to create, and people should shut the hell up. But then you have that movie Misery, where what's her name snapped James Bond's <laughs> ankles with that. See, and 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 I had a little taste of that. I actually killed a character in one of my in my second book, mm-hmm. and somebody called me up and chewed me out for an hour and forty five minutes for doing that. And you said, so on the phone? now. <laughs> Well, they're they're a friend, you know. Oh, okay, it, okay. No, if it was a stranger calling my phone up, especially calling my cell phone and and like cussing me out for an hour and forty five minutes, I would definitely be scared because okay. you don't want your fans, you don't want anybody getting that close to you who you don't know, right? You know. And I right. think about that. I think about social media making people more accessible. And also, I mean, I know how to find anybody's phone number or anybody's address online. And if I know how to do it, other people know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about how easily you can be found. So, <laughs> you know, you, we we all joke about people and how Facebook is, but what it has done is it has given people tools that can definitely negatively impact your life. Right. But let's get past all that. What you know, what what kind of like what was the plot? What's the, the 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 synopsis of the story, you know, with you switching gears into the science fiction genre? Okay. Yeah, well, I'm a first I'm gonna say I'm not completely switching gears. I I'm gonna still write horror stuff, but it's just gonna be well, within yeah. those two rims. Yeah. But okay. Well, obviously the main character, she's a young lady named Anna. She is mm-hmm. um she's in her first year of college and she is struggling. Um she um she has a part-time, you know, job doing work at fast food. She just got out of a of a, a 
bad you know, relationship that, you know, affected her negatively. And then her mother is an alcoholic, so she has to pretty much take care of her mother, you know, because her mother, she's, you know, recently lost her job and she comes home drunk with random guys from the bar. So it's like with school and all this other stuff going on, you know, it's like everything's kind of, you know, falling on her. But um, she actually, um, and the story started out, I wanted to be like a little short story about a one-night space adventure. But once I started writing, it got longer and longer and longer. But um, she never met her birth father. The only thing she knew about him was his name. And, you know, Uh people said he was tall and handsome. But she ended up being um, taken, like taken from Earth and end up getting into this kind of intergalactic um, spat involving two different um, extraterrestrial races. And the reason mm-hmm. why she and the reason why she was taken, it involves, you know, her um, cosmic um, genealogy, you know, like her cosmic bloodline. I can't really give away too many more details. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're get, yeah, you're you're getting in the weeds there. I don't I don't want you to give the whole thing away. Yeah, because it has okay, a couple and, of twists. Yeah, uh, so you're, it sounds like you're pretty comfortable with drafting the story. Which means that you're you're probably going to be a very very good utility writer in terms of being able to go from different genres to different genres, but still crafting a, a, a very compelling story. Um, when when you think in terms of, um, you said this one is going to be the first in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you've got you've got a, a multi volume story arc. Um, how what was it? I'm I'm just curious what. How did you come up with the the overall plot for the whole trilogy? You know, the creative universe for the trilogy. Uh, did you come up with a theme? You know, was the abduction the theme? Was it the was it the the bloodline thing? Was it um, you know uh, extraterrestrials having some sort of um, genetic you know uh, a, connection? Uh, at first, it was, you know, it was just like, you know, she was just going to get kidnapped and have this adventure or whatever, and that was going to be it. But once I started writing and I got to that part, it just came to me, dang, you know, why don't you add this element? And it kind of gradually, uh-huh. it kind of gradually, you know, progressed as I progressed. You know, it, it, I didn't start out saying, okay, this is going to be her bloodline and nothing like that. You know, it started out being one thing, and then once I got to that point, I just, you know, I kept going because I kept getting, like, mm-hmm. these ideas and stuff. Well, so. I, yeah, and I get that. I, you know, and I personally, I understand that. I, I, You know, my first book, I started writing in 2001. Wrote, mm-hmm. wrote, wrote, wrote with my dumbass self because I didn't know how to write a book, but I thought I knew <laughs> how to write a book. No, I didn't. You know, I didn't even think I knew. But as I was writing and I knew what the ending was going to be. I knew that with that ending, there, had, there was more story to come. Right. So I started out writing a single book, but then I realized that I would need to have a trilogy to do all three parts, you know, the, the, the three big epic parts of the story. So it sounds to me like as you write, you also are pretty malleable about how you draft the story because then when you realize some bigger things start coming up, you're, it, it sounds like you don't have any problem adding them in. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's pretty, it comes pretty naturally. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, some, sometimes I have to work on, you know, making it make sense. Right. But, but, yeah, you know, like when I get to a certain point, you know, I mean, like the characters start, you know, they not like I'm a crazy person, but they kind of start talking like, okay, you know, this it'll be, you know, if you add this in, you know, it, it's just like building my characters, kind of building the plot. You know, some stories I could just write on a note card, you know, what's going to happen in, 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 in this chapter, that chapter, da, 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 and go write, that's it. But then some stories, they come to me, and as I write, you know, just different things just come to me, and I, you know, and I add in the element. You know, sometimes I say some stories I could just map out and write, and then to me, <clears> some, <throat> things, some things come from God. You know, well, and you know, he, that's not unusual. Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to think you're crazy because that happens to a lot of writers. You know, you get to writing, and, and once you, you start establishing these characters in your head, they they tend to do things that make sense for the character, even mm-hmm. though you hadn't planned it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's not that. I mean, that's not so unusual. Um, but it, it's you know when I think back to the first book that you wrote and how methodical you were. First, you you got your characters. You know, you you have your you actually storyboarded your book's design, which yeah. or your story's design, which I thought was very cool. I mean, it's. Um, I, I I didn't know what I was doing, so I did a flow chart of my plot. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to use tools that are not normally associated with with that kind of create creativity, you know, in writing, I think is 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 inventive. But it also talks about you know the kind of um, and you, you claim you're not organized, but it it sounds to me like you put very very good thought, you know, rational. Uh, thought into how you craft your stories. Um, okay. How far? How far are you in? In fin- Have you? Are you close to finishing this one? I finished this one. Um, actually, I set it up to be. Um, I finished it and laid it out and everything, and I uploaded it to Kindle and I set it up to be uh, released on January the thirty first. Like you can get it's on pre order now, where you can go ahead and order, and then it'll be sent to you on January the thirty first. And the reason Very um, cool. I, I actually finished it um, around Christmas, I guess, a little bit before uh-huh. Christmas. So, yeah, a little bit before Christmas. But um, and, and at first I was going to release it then, but I said, you know what? A lot of people are doing Christmas shopping. They're spending their money on toys and gifts and stuff like that. So let me put it where it's released at the end of January, where people, you know, let them kind of, you know, recover, recoup from the holiday. Thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that way, and that you know, it's just like a kind of like a little, I guess, marketing strategy or something like that. Where I said I released it at the end of January, where you know a lot of people they're either recovering or in the process of recovering from the holidays. I I was told, and I don't know if this is true because I I really haven't researched it, but if you want to get something out for the holidays, they say you you know you want to start doing your marketing and have it available, um, by Labor Day. You know, yeah. so that so that there's time, you know, and, and then maybe do a little bit of a marketing push around the Thanksgiving time. Not that, you know, a uh, an ebook is is something that you have to worry about being shipped, you know, at a certain mm-hmm. time in order to get it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you know, um, hang on. Let me do this quick. Hold on. You're listening to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society dot com. 
website where we have, you know, just tons of fun. And we have an enormous amount of content, both uh, art, well, no, not both. We have art, we have video, we have uh, short stories, we have excerpts of books. Check it out, tell your friends about it who may be interested in reading some pretty exciting and definitely original work. All right, so let's go back. You know, when you talk about, you obviously put some thought into coming, you know, bringing the new book out at the end of January for the reasons mm-hmm. that you stated. Um, what kinds of business, uh, not necessarily decisions, but what kind of business issues have you consciously addressed since you started, you know, since you became a published author? Um, what what are your main considerations? I mean, like for most of us, it's marketing. Mm-hmm. But what are the kinds of things? Because you you did your your Kindle formatting, you did some pretty uh, extensive business like moves. What 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 are some of the most important aspects of doing what you do as an entrepreneur? Um. Well, marketing is the um, other than like just putting out good quality work. Marketing, marketing as far right. as making sure I build a fan base, um, being methodical in how I um, release my books, um, marketing as far as like my book covers, customer service. Like if a, um, you know, if a reader contact me and you know they ask me a question or they commend me on a book or something like that, make sure I say thank you and have a good um, response time. Sure. And just and just basically, um, I guess that's my thing because marketing has always in the past been like my weak point. So that's the thing that I'm working hardest on now because naturally I'm a shy person. You know, it's hard for me to go up to people and talk to them and stuff like that. But it's mm-hmm. just something like that, you know, I have to overcome in order to get to where, you know, to reach my goals and get to where I'm trying to get to. Uh, and And what? You know, okay, I could see the maybe, I don't know, for lack of anything else, like the social aspect of communicating online, making sure yeah. that you, you know, you get back to your fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Have you done any kind of in, in, in-person in marketing, like conventions or book signings, things like that, where you actually meet the people? And, and yeah. how is that for you? I went to uh, one of the... One of the um, Black Science Fiction um, conventions last year, actually, that's where I met Jarvis, and I was there. I didn't get to stay long because I had my son with me, and he was cutting up. But I actually went there, <laughs> and I wait, planned on was, going. Wait, who, wait, 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 wait. Who was cutting up? Was Jarvis cutting up? No. Oh, no, my baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I figured maybe you had your son there, Jarvis started cutting up, and you had to take your son away from no. a bad influence. No. Oh, good, good. I feel so much better. I feel so, and and I'm sure I'm going to hear it from Jarvis at the end of the show. But okay, but but being in that environment, what was it like for you? Because Jarvis just recently, you know, he had been getting on me to go to some of these conventions, and I, uh-huh. I we'll talk about that later. And, and I, it was different from what I thought it would be. How was it for you? Like I said, I'm shy. Like I went up to him and right. talked to him. No, I get and that. Then, and I talked to a couple other people. I didn't talk to a lot of people, and I was kind of mad at myself about that. Because uh, sure. it's just, like I said, it's something that I have to get over. But it was it was pretty good. Like, I got to see, like, all the different comic books and, 
you know, I sat in on the um, Q&A that they did. Like I said, I think that was the point I had to leave because after I was in there so long, my baby started getting bored and he started crying and kicking and wanting right. to get down and crawling oh, yeah. around the room. So I had to get, you know, I had to get him out of there because he was being disruptive. But um, no, I get that. I'm I the same it's, way. <laughs> it's two more that's coming <laughs> up next month, I believe. Uh huh. Um, and I plan on going to those, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna try to meet as many many people as I can, and kind of you know network and connect, because that's that's something that I really need to work hard on. Like online, mm-hmm. I can get online. I can do a Facebook ad. I can do Instagram and do this and do that. But to me, sometimes social can be antisocial, and it's good. Like you sure. know, like you said, it's good to get out in person and kind of meet people face-to-face and, and let them get to know you and you get to know them, and that way you make a real connection. So that's something um, that I have to work hard on. Yeah, you know, and, and I have found that if you present yourself as a reasonable person, an interesting person, somebody that people want to get to know, um, the likelihood of them seeing what it is that you do, maybe even purchasing a book or, short, you know, a magazine that your story might be in or your art or whatever, it's mm-hmm. far more likely. So that's, a, that's very important. I mean, the, the face-to-face aspect is the thing that I didn't really, I didn't have much faith in or believe in when Jarvis was telling me, man, you got to get out to these conventions. Mm-hmm. And I went to WorldCon in August and I saw, you know, I, uh, I had to reevaluate, <laughs> excuse me, what it means to do your marketing. And mm-hmm. and I think marketing is always the the hardest part for entrepreneurs, for independents and things like that, because it's not like I have HarperCollins with uh, you know, thousands of dollars of marketing muscle behind me or anything. It's right now yeah. it's just me. Yeah. So it's essential to get yourself out there so that people can can see who you are. And that's one of the reasons why I did joint Facebook. And I, and I'm, I'm really, I'll tell you, I'm surprised. I mean, people from my past, uh, a lot of black creatives who I have either interviewed or I've participated in their creative universes, things like that. And it, it there, there is a lot of utility to it, but mm-hmm. I am not going to go to court and tell a judge that somebody started some stuff because of Facebook, because of your warning. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> But yeah, I think it was Brett Cardone. He had said um, one of the entrepreneurs' biggest problems is obscurity. Like if yes, you can get out absolutely. of obscurity, then you know you can be successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for me, I, I, I definitely have a little bit of an advantage. I mean, having done this show for three years. Mm-hmm. The best part of it for me is not that people know me because of the show, but the best part for me is I've gotten to talk to creatives who, under any normal circumstance, I never would have even known of, you know, and mm-hmm. to know how many people like us are out there creating stories, movies, TV shows, books, mm-hmm. art, um, and, and it's virtually unknown. Um, I will say this. I will have a lot to say about this. There's a, there's a convention in Boston in the middle of February, and I've been invited. And there's two panels that I'm really looking forward to. One is about podcasting. Okay. And so for me to explain to people, well, not only do I enjoy what I do and get to talk to great people, but I'm going to drive people to our 
YouTube channel so that they could hear about black creatives they never would have known about. That's the cool right. part for me. Right. Um, and, and, and then the Afrofuturism part, you know, that, that's, that's a whole, it's more than a genre. It's almost like a, a, a cultural movement. happening. Yeah, a cultural like a happening. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, in, at Worldcon, we, we had standing room only in there. And it was, it was obviously predominantly white. It was in Kansas City. But mm-hmm. the people wanted to know. They wanted to know. And I think part of that is is because we have we have creativity, we have ideas, we have storylines, we have plots, we have ways of handling our characters that you do not see, you mm-hmm. know, in in mainstream science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So there's there's definitely value in what we get. And and the quote about obscurity is so true because um, with everything being digital digitized today, digital content here, there, and everywhere, the internet and, and stuff, I see the biggest challenge for any creative is getting your work to be seen above right. the background noise of everybody else's work. Right. Um, when, you, when you think in terms of how you're going to do that for yourself, what kinds of ideas come to mind for you? Uh, well, like I said, again, face-to-face with more people. Um right. Working on my um, working on my website and my blog, I've been studying, um, you know, uh, keywords and stuff. You know, keywords and SEO, sure, sure, um, stuff like that because that's very powerful. You know, it, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes time to build, you know, organically. But you know, it's like feeding a dormant monster. Once you once you got it, you know, you got it. It's there. Um, I do well with my books. I do um, ad campaigns on Facebook. Uh huh. Um, I do it from my uh, fan page, and basically, you know, just making sure that I do uh, research as far as like, you know, my book covers and and like the mediums to publish it in, like with um, Kindle. Mm-hmm, I, do, mm-hmm. I do I do Kindle, but I also um, give people the option if they want a print version because everybody don't read books on the phone and everybody don't own a Kindle. And I get a lot of people that say, "Well, how can I get your? How can I get a a, a physical version of your book?" Especially people from Mississippi because you know a lot of times, you know, especially the older people, they want a physical copy because they don't know how to pull the book up on the phone or on the computer. <laughs> but right. basically, um, building on building up on what I'm already doing and just keep learning. Like I take class, you know, I go to Udemy and I find classes on like Kindle marketing or just marketing period, sure. um, what they copywriting and stuff like that, you know, writing, you know, copy that, uh, you know, help, you know, market and sell my books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So basically just keep studying, keep learning, keep researching and just building on what I'm doing. Yeah, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I live in Chicago. It's a very big city, huge city, uh-huh. all kinds of people here, all kinds of artists, all kinds of creatives. And, and I have found that networking with, you know, with not every group because nobody wants to be out every night trying to, you know, trying to be a salesperson. Right. But I have found that, that networking with, with good creatives who, who have some experience or at least have good ideas has made a big difference. You know, I learned some things about intellectual property that I didn't know about, um, mm-hmm. and 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 things like that. You know, or or if you, 
you know, when I have a question about something, you know, a technical nature like, you know, intellectual property, having mm-hmm. a network of people where I could go, who do you know who knows about this? They could go, oh, yeah, yeah, so-and-so, such-and-such, you know. So yeah. I'm, do you do you manage to network much? You know, because I know when you're not in a big city, it's not nearly as easy. Well, oh, excuse me. Atlanta is a mm-hmm. pretty nice-sized market, too. Oh, yeah. And like I said, um, I'm going to do better this year with getting out than I did um, last year. But mostly in the uh-huh. past, um, like I'm in the, um, I do film here too. Like I've done a couple, I've been in a few films. And I do networking like in the, within the um, film industry here. Like I go to film festivals and stuff like that. But um, as far as like books and, all, you know, I haven't really met up with any like Kindle or, you know, author groups or sure. anything like that. Just the, uh, I went to the science fiction, you know, black science fiction um Society, convention. yeah. Yes, yeah, I went yeah. to that. Oh, the, oh, but, the convention, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, so, but, you know, I'm on, um, but like I said, I'm on, Lord have mercy, my Mississippi coming out. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to do better this year and, and really, you know, hit the pavement with it because, like I said, I have to, just like, you know, with me saying I'm not naturally organized, but I had to, you know, like kick my butt enough that I had to do it, that's another thing that I have to right. kind of, Say okay, I'm shy, but you know, being shy is not serving me. So I need to kind of put that to the side and do what I need to do. You know. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> excuse me. It sounds like you have, you have every. I mean, you're you're paying attention to what you need to do. It sounds like you're going to do what you need to do. Um, if you, other than the shy part, do you mm-hmm. have any any anything that you see as something that and I, I don't ask this to put you on the spot, but, I mean, do you see any any part of your overall strategy that you think um, is is going to be the, the hardest part for you? And then also I want to ask you, what do you think? I mean, it sounds like you're doing the easy things already, you know, being able to do the social networking, being able yeah. to communicate with your fans and, and people like that. But what, what do you think is going to be the hardest part of raising your visibility? Oh, man. I guess at this point, the hardest part is going to be, you know, raising the capital. <laughs> oh, know, yeah, as, yeah. As, yeah. As far as, sure. like, you know, buying advertising and, you know, if I want to, you know, hire somebody <clears throat> out to help, you know, push my book more, you know, push my work more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's <clears throat> the most, the raising the capital for the mark, for, you know, for the part of marketing that I need capital for. That's gonna be the um, biggest challenge for me. I uh, I found uh, a foolproof way of winning the lottery. Um, you know, the really? Mega Millions. <laughs> yeah, but okay. see, un- unfortunately, it costs about thirty nine million to do that. You have to play every number, oh, and then okay. if some jackass accidentally hits the number at the same time, you could find yourself losing some money. So nobody wants right. to go through that. <laughs> oh, um, right. Yeah, but I I can see, you know, for a lot of people, well, even me, you know, having the money to do the things that you want to do. You know, I'm sitting around here. I'd love to do like a, uh, and I've talked about it, an $18,000 full-page ad in the New York Times Sunday book section. Right. Because if I I do that, I'll probably sell about 10,000 books easily because 
a lot of people just buy a book when they see it advertised in in the um, in the New York Times in, right. in that book section. And then you know I put a provocative ad in there saying that this was probably the best uh, the best tale since whatever sliced bread. But <laughs> but to do but like like you said you know finding the capital to do that is a tough thing. Even mm-hmm. though I know that I'll make more money than I'll spend, it you know it's just it's it's that climb. And people say, well, why don't you go and do some crowdfunding and things like that? Well, I don't, yeah, you know, <clears throat> and there. There's some SEC concerns that people don't know about. People don't know that when when they do some crowdsource or crowdfunding for a business, that essentially mm-hmm. what they've done is they've picked up investors. Right. And when you have investors, you have regulations that have to be, you know, and, and that's that's a lot of work. That's a lot of things to keep up. You know, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. So, yeah, getting capital, unless you're independently wealthy, is tough. Who was that? Um, I think it was John. I think it was, and this might not be true. I don't know, but I don't know. I think it was John Grisham. It was somebody. It was one author. Um, that what they did was they bought like a whole bunch of copies, like sixty thousand. They invested sixty thousand dollars, I believe, and bought a whole bunch okay. of copies of their book. That automatically put right. it on the New York Times bestseller list, and it kind of launched their career. I'm thinking. John Grisham, but it might not have been him. It was somebody, because I remember um, talking to another author back in Mississippi about it. I can't remember, right. but somebody did that. They bought, like, a whole bunch of copies of their own book, and they got on the well, that, bestseller list. Yeah, they, that's like, how conservatives, yeah, that's how conservative politicians get, get at the top of the list. They'll get, you know, some think tank or somebody to buy 20,000, 50,000 copies of their book, and boom, yeah. it puts them right at the top of the list. But again, uh, it goes back to what you said earlier about finding the capital to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's that's a tough thing. Now, you mentioned you were an actress, and um, <laughs> yeah. What? Don't laugh. You know, a lot <laughs> of people haven't haven't acted like that. What What were you in? Movie, TV? Uh... Well, I've done. I did like some background stuff for. Um... Tyler Perry, um, the have and have not. I, I was a uh, nail tech on, uh, what is it, for better or for worse, the one with Tasha okay. Smith and Michael J. White. I saw him in person. Oh, my God. He's he kind of short, but he was fine, though. Like, when he walked in the room, every woman <laughs> in the room fell silent. Like, you could hear a pin drop. We were all talking, blah, blah, blah. As soon as he walked in, everybody was like, <laughs> you can hear a pin drop in there. But, um. Mostly around here, I've done um, independent film. My first okay. role in the independent uh, film, I was a prison guard, and I had to wrestle a prisoner out of the the room. And uh-huh. um, I did a film called Mama's Tears, where I played Mama. And let's see, um, I did. Um, I got it's one coming out of web series. Um, Shoot, uh, shoot, 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 shoot. And it, I just did it. I re- we recorded it back in November. Um, uh-huh. Dark. It's called Dark Suggestion. And it and it kind of okay. borders on it kind of borders on like fantasy, but it kind of um bring in the hood drama and combines it with you know fantasy and kind of like dark um dark, it's like dark comedy. 
And um, flags on the field. I, I had an extra role in that where I played like a um, I played like a ex con who had murdered her husband, and you know it's like in a counseling, a group counseling scene. And I actually okay. I did my own. Me and my husband we shot our own film back in 2013. It was called um, If It Hadn't Been for Joe, and it, it's kind of like a supernatural type of. Um, story too it's like a short film we we shot it in a day and we mm-hmm. shot it in mississippi and then we brought it back to georgia and we had it shown at this major um indie film event they have around here called get connected so i've okay. dabbled, dabbled in and out last year was the biggest year for me because the year before then i had had a baby and i was real sick all through my pregnancy so i didn't get to do anything but once i had the baby then you know last year i got to do a lot more and hopefully this year uh-huh. I'll do more because, like I said, I have the web series that I'm in. And then after the web series, I have a film. So, you know, I'm just hoping and praying to kind of prepare myself to have a good film year as well as a good writing year this year. Well, you know, next the next time you're on film, you know, you're going to be filmed. Uh, see if you could, you know, if you're going to be a background, a background actor, um, see if you could be sitting there reading your own book. Right, right. Oh, man, I should ask them that, too. He'll let me. I know uh, the director will let me. I'm I'm just saying. Hey, you know, or, or if they're, if they're, if they're, you know, doing, uh, doing a, uh, a rolling shot of somebody's living room or something, they can, mm-hmm. they can have the camera pan past your book and another book or, you know, a couple books on the table. Right, right. Oh man, thank you for that. Oh no, I'm gonna charge you for that. Um, oh, don't worry about it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. No charge. No charge. But seriously, I mean, people don't people don't think in terms of those kind of opportunistic things. You know, somebody sees it in a movie, they're gonna go, "Hey, look at that book. Uh, what does it mm-hmm. say?" You know, mm-hmm. and, and and now everybody pauses everything. You know, you got it on DVR or your. Even if you're watching it, um, you know, streaming, you can still pause and see what it was. So, right. Uh, don't don't pass up those opportunities for your own self marketing because remember, you're the only person who's going to do that. You know, right. the, a, a producer, a line producer, is not going to go. Oh, uh, you know, why don't we just put Jackie Loggins' book in his hand? You know, you know, you see what I'm saying? Right. So, so think. Think in terms of uh, how you're going to do that. And then you mentioned that you and your husband do film, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> again, again, no charge. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do a movie up here in Chicago. I don't know if it's going to be done this summer or next summer, but mm-hmm. you can bet your butt if there's ways for me to stick my books. In in this movie, I'm going to do it. You know, it's not really the kind of thing that. Well, I don't know, but I'm not I'm not going to overlook the opportunity because again, it it's about raising your visibility above the background right. noise. Or and that's, or that's kind of a cool way to do it. What's that? I could take one of my books and make a film based on the book. You know, like you the sewing machine or the yes, Jimmy White, and have a book and a film. Well, I, you know, the, the coolest way of doing that that I ever saw, you know, the way they wrote the, the script was like Basic Instinct, where mm-hmm. the Sharon Stone character wrote a book and then 
somebody that she was dating got killed by the method that was in the book. So uh-huh. that would be cool if you had a book with some drama, some big drama like that, mm-hmm. and it became the basis for some kind of uh, some some kind of thriller, you know, some kind of something or other. So I mean, it's something to think about in terms of writing a script. Yeah. Yep. You're right. It's all yeah, my kind of luck. They'll be showing me. Yeah, yeah, my kind of luck. They'll be showing me on the news in my cell reading my own book. See, that's that's <laughs> how it'll work out for me. <laughs> but they say any publicity is good publicity. Oh, um, you might want to okay. educate Michelle about what? Now, what's the Chris and Michelle about that? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, when, okay, so you you you've got a. Uh, volume one of a trilogy coming out at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. When do you think you're going to have the second volume ready? And, and do you have it all planned out for, for what your, your, your release spacing is going to be? My goal is to have it out by the end of, I want them like a month apart because I don't want people to have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking um, probably the beginning, the very beginning of March. I want to have the second book out. Like I may, I go ahead and write it um, and get it done. If I can get it all, yeah. get it all done in February. <clears throat> probably no, no later than probably like mid March, because I I don't want it too too far spaced out. Because I've already been working on the second book and kind of you know laying it out and sure. planning it. Yeah. So that's that's my goal. That's what I'm because I don't want people to have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. And then the concluding volume? Um, probably like a couple, a month or two from the end. Like wow. I said, I, I want, and I want them all out this spring. No, no, I get, I, I, I get it. Because I, I know I get frustrated when I have to wait. Like when, when Game of Thrones, you know, when the last episode of the season come on, I was like, damn, I gotta wait till next year. You know, or even with a book, you know, I'm like, man. So I don't want to have to wait too long. I mean, if 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 the story calls for me to have to, you know, put it longer than that, then it is what it is because that's the most important part, you know, structuring a good story. But if I can structure the story and get everything right, then, you know, I don't you know, want it to I be too stretched out. I think, yeah, I think you're right about it because some people told me when I only had one book out or two books out, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to start on one until you finish the whole thing. And that was yeah. exactly what they said. You know, they wanted, they wanted, they didn't want to wait. Um, yeah. And I've known, a, I've know, I met two authors, I forget their names, who started on multiple volume series. Mm-hmm. Who, when the first one didn't sell enough, they just gave it up. Uh. You know, they just gave it up because they didn't know that a lot of people will wait if you're doing multi volume yeah. series until you get them all out. Because so, some people like to binge. Yeah. Like I, I binge. Oh yeah, that yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I binge. Yeah. yeah. And okay, so other than Stephen King, who mm-hmm. who were some of the who were some of the influences, you know, that you really read and liked that you think influence, you know, what it is that you write and how you write, the stories that you write? Uh other than him. Just, you know, mainly, I don't know. I've been Octavia Butler crazy since I read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know as a kid I read um, 
Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein, you know, that the horror stuff. That's mm-hmm. where I got out. You know, mm-hmm. most of my stuff came from them. And then just a lot of, I ain't going to say no name, but, you know, a lot of books, like I said, I found <laughs> in the thrift store. And then I read a lot of, um, I've been doing research, like, ever since I've watched Hidden Colors. Like, I do, a, okay. you know, I do a lot of research. Like, I listen to a lot of um, Professor James Smalls and, 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 and uh, what's his name, uh, Dr. Phil Valentine, a lot of, like, African history, ancient African history stuff. So mm-hmm. I like to, I want to incorporate that type of information into some of my, um, you know, future um, science fiction works. You know, incorporate like our history, like you know, take something you know similar in the theme of you know the story of the um, Dogon tribe, and mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. take take that whole you know mm-hmm. story and kind of formulate some type of futuristic scientific, I mean scientific science science fiction, you know, book off of that. You know, a lot of things. It's not just mainly stuff I read that influenced my writing, but stuff I watched, stuff I've listened to. Like I draw inspiration from everywhere. Yes, yeah. Well, it's, you definitely draw your characters and what they do and and how they interact with each other from like things that you see all the time, right? Yeah, because it, it, I mean, if you really know how to look at the world and look at people around you, I mean, mm-hmm. you'll find a story anywhere. Really? Yeah. It's just being able to execute it, that is. Uh-huh. That's the that, hard that, part. That, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what the difficulty is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, now, what about, what about kind of outreach and maybe mentoring to young kids to maybe not only read but maybe think about writing? Have you thought about doing any of that? Yeah. Well... Excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I think I, I yawned about, first. I apologize. Um, <laughs> I thought about that, um, like going back to my hometown, because I, I right. hear so much about people saying, well, you know, we need to help the inner city kids, and, and that's good, but I want my outreach and my ministry to be to Af- young African-American kids in, like, small country towns. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least in the inner city, you have the YMCA, you have all these different programs. But when you grow up like I did in a country town, especially being creative and being an artist, right. there's there's nothing to cultivate your creativity. Because, you know, Arab, it's, it's really like a poor, blue-collar environment, you know, and there's nothing to cultivate somebody who know how to, like, sketch cards or somebody who want to, write short stories because, you know, the parents and the people around you are going to look at you and be like, like like my mom told me, girl, find something to do. You know, because where I grew up, it was more, it was like the chicken industry, the chicken processing industry in my hometown mm-hmm. back when I was a kid. But that's sure. where I want to go. And not only do I want to, like, encourage kids to read and write, but I also want to encourage kids to, you know, learn about, you know, money management and finances because a lot of us, that's like a real weak um, subject matter for us, you know. But, yeah, yeah but like as far as, like, comprehension and reading, I think that we really need to work on that too, especially for black, you know, for black boys. Well, not only not only is it a worthy endeavor just to, you know, build their skills, but the more we do that, the more 
the more customers we're making for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's important because you know you, you want at least for me I would love to see kids you know especially kids of color like mm-hmm. be able to if they if they have a story I would love for them to sit down and make their own comic book you know right. or or whatever and and be able to do that. So they have a creative outlet like that because you know what, uh, kids kids have all of these ideas. You know they they're surrounded by comic books. They're surrounded by superhero yeah. movies. They're surrounded by all kinds of influences, and yeah. and for them to, to be able to turn that into some kind of creative output is is not far fetched at all. And, and the thing and a good thing another good thing about being at that point in your life. The world hadn't touched you yet. Like, you don't have the burden of worrying about bills or worrying about, you know, if I don't go to work in the morning, I'm going to lose this job. You know, you still a child. Like, you still have this this, this limitless, you know, mindset. Like, when I was a right. kid, I thought I could do anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just thought, like, man, this the world is not worse. I can do anything. I can draw anything I think of. I could do it. But the older you get and the more, you know, the outside world come in, you know, you have all these limitations, and before you know it, you have this glass ceiling. And it's good to or, catch kids, yeah. Or your time. You know, just right. having That's the time. Yeah. When, when you're in real life, you know, real life takes time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like growing uh, up in my community, it was so many kids who could draw. I mean, it was so, I mean, I was, like, every other kid just about, especially the black kids, like, I had cousins and friends who could draw cars. Who could, you know, they drew like the, you remember the Bigfoot truck we, you know, they would have as kids. They would draw their toys. They would look in a magazine at a car and draw the car. They would draw superheroes. I mean, shit, we probably had like 20 kids in the neighborhood who probably came up with their own comic book. And we, we had enough mm-hmm. kids in the neighborhood who could draw that, we could have opened up a comic book store, but like you know, but like you know, like you said, it's nothing if you don't have nothing to cultivate that. And that's what I kids right. eat. And I always say, like <clears throat> a lot of black people I know, we eat our young. We don't, you know, we don't really cultivate anything in them. You know, we don't really pay attention to the things that they are good at and that they are talented at, and, and kind of support that and feed into that. It's like we tell them, you know, grow up, you know. You need to think about going to school, going to college, and getting a real job. And you know, I'm like, what the hell is a real? You know, but <laughs> we need to start cultivating our children. Yeah, and and the other thing is, you know, it's it, a lot of parents, kind of like you know what you said at the very beginning. You know, a lot of parents don't want to encourage kids into some of these creative arts areas, whether it be writing or, or art or whatever, because they they do worry about them getting that job, being able to uh-huh. pay for their bills and things like that, or or even getting into school. You, you ain't going to get into college drawing them comic books. And then on and the other hand, a lot of us, maybe you could. A lot maybe of us don't could. even belong in college. You know, a lot of us don't even have to. I mean, a lot of us, can do well with a trade. You know, like when I wanted to do hair, my mom was like, well, you don't need to be, they, you know, it's good to do that for a little while, but you don't want to be sweating over nobody's head. But when I grew up, I'm like, man, I was ignorant because 
a lot of hairstylists are doing very well. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, so <laughs> as much as I would like to say I'm some kind of uh, educated elitist snob, I, I'm a tradesperson too. I learned computers when mm-hmm. I was 15, and then went on to work for IBM. That's that's a trade. That's not. You know, and people go, well, no, that's professional. No, 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 no. You're just writing code. You're just changing this. You're putting in tapes. You know, that's mm-hmm. as much a trade as anything else. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, there's no emphasis on trade and anymore. And if you think about it, art is everywhere you look is art. When you look at a TV, yeah. the way that TV is designed, that's art. When you look at a cereal box, that's art. When you look at a, a, a billboard, when you look at the way a car is designed, Hell, when you go on Facebook and you see ads and and the way that the the pay the web pages, oh, it's art is everywhere. So you can't, you, you know, know. So you take album covers. Yeah, album, album yeah, covers, album, magazines, costumes, costumes for videos. I mean, every damn right. place you look, and you go it's see art. art. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 we don't emphasize that. It's like it's like some sort of rarefied. Atmosphere. It's like when I discovered what construction was all about, then I learned about it. You know, I, I walk into a house and you see, oh, the ceiling looks nice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Corners. Uh, uh, oh, doorway. Uh, oh, the door is open and closed. That, that still, somebody has to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody has to make all that happen. And, and I think that's just as worthy as anything else. Because you look, right. look, look at some of these high end doctors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you look at these high-end doctors, they go to school for an extra eight years, and what do they turn into? They turn into little personality monsters. You know, they got yeah, no communication right. skills. They treat you like crap. They uh-huh. really don't care if you're well or not because if they did, they, you know, they, they'd let you come in when you didn't feel good instead of going, well, I got something uh, two weeks from Tuesday. What are you doing two weeks from Tuesday? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be dead by then, you know. <laughs> so so you're you're right. There, There's yeah. a... There's an emphasis in education that is really, really, really um, uh, backwards because first, the first thing they took away from us was art, mm-hmm. PE, and then now they've taken away civics and social studies, anything that, that, that helps kids, you know, think about cause and effect mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, consequences or anything like that. And so home now economics. we're turning out little, yeah, we're, we, oh, home ec- even shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, although, you know, I, I had a hard time paying attention to a shop teacher that only had three fingers on one hand. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's just, no, I didn't, I didn't take shop. I was busy. I was busy in home ec. They called it family living. I was busy in home ec uh, doing all of that. And all the other guys on the football team were going, you know, what are you, some kind of, you know, sissy? I said, no. Home ec is the most I, important. That's probably one said, of, if not the most important because that involves nutrition. It involves taking care, you know, how to raise the kids, how to take care of home, you know. That's it it, it that's, has to do with yeah. life. It has yeah. to do with life. Um, and, and the other part was, you know, while they were all in shop, I was in home ec with their girlfriends. So uh-huh. that worked okay. out really well for me. <laughs> um, but, but, but you're right. You know, to, to even tell kids, to, to take the kids on a walk around the block around the school, Mm-hmm. And just point out everything that's art. Look at that hubcap. That's art. You know, look at you look at that, that hood today. ornament. That's art. Look <laughs> at look at that awning. Look at that architecture. That's art. And, right. and to be able to convey that to people and, and to keep that 
whatever creativity that they've got going, you know, in mm-hmm. the front parts of their mind. Um, there are a lot of I've met a lot of kids now who like stories because when when we talk about what's important to them, they go, "Oh, you know, did you see uh, did you see the Avengers?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, yes, I did." And they said, "You know, I, you know, that that looks, you know, I really like that." And I said, "Well, you know what happened? The Avengers is a comic book, mm-hmm. and guess what? You can make your own comic book." Right. You mean like uh, with Spider-Man? I said, "Well, what, why don't you invent your own superhero?" Mm-hmm. Why don't you know what if you were going to be a superhero, what superpower would you have? Actually, there was a discussion on BlackScienceFictionSociety.com about if you were going to have a superpower, what superpower would you have? And you know, right. people talk about X-ray vision so that they can look through walls or under people's clothes or whatever stuff like that. I just just from having being this old and going through life, I would like the superpower that would allow me to make people interesting around me. Because <laughs> oh, you want control. <laughs> but oh, you want but, control. To, but to foster but to foster a kid's imagination like that to make them think in terms of I could do that. I think that's mm-hmm. a huge a huge step and a huge thing to teach kids, especially in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think when you think about where you might be, let's say five years from now, what do you see? I mean, maybe other than having the trilogy done, but you know, are you, I would imagine you're probably going to keep acting. You know, when we, when, when we come back to you five years from now on this show, what are you going to be telling me that you've been doing? Oh, uh, what I hope to be, because I can't say what I'm going to be, because that's what, that's for God to decide. But, um, well, I'll say this, if the good Lord says the same, that's what we said to Dallas, if the good Lord says the same, then mm-hmm. I want to move, I want to move to Africa. Probably okay. somewhere off the coast, like somewhere off the coast of Ghana. Maybe if I'm just living there a few months out the year, um, I want to still be writing and publishing books, and I also want to be doing films. I want to do films in Ghana, some in Nigeria, in South Africa. Um, I want to be involved in the film industry over there, and also, you know, still writing and publishing. Mhm. Yeah. What's What's the attraction to the film industry there? I'm, well, I started out watching um, Nollywood films uh, about three or four years ago, and I like that the films, they they all, you know, they have, like, a lot of different themes. It's not like the, the black films here in the States where you pretty much have the same type of cliche. It's like right. different it's like different things. And I like the fact that the over there the film industry is so robust. Like, you could tell that, they, you know, over there that there are, that they're hungry and that they're passionate about it. And I just, I want to recreate, I mean, not recreate, I'm sorry. I want to reconnect with, like, I guess the motherland. I want to recreate, you know, reconnect with my people, you know, because I've, I've been here in the States, and I want to go somewhere where, and I don't want to sound racist because I'm not, but I want to go somewhere where I'm surrounded, you know, with my people. I'm working for my people, with my people, you know. Mm-hmm. And kind of, and just kind of help, kind of help, you know, African people over there and, and in the diaspora, kind of be a part of building our own major, you know, film and book and creative channels, you know, worldwide. Because I think that's something that we need to do to reach to to, to have better outreach. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because to me, like, you know, we was, like, I think, wasn't it last year where they was having this big hoopla about the Oscars? What was it, the Oscars so white? Oh, yeah, Oscars so white. But if you think about it, Nollywood is the second largest film industry in the world behind Hollywood. If you take Nollywood and you combine it with the black film industry here in the States, and maybe uh-huh. the black film industry in the islands and in South America. If we all came together like across the world, we would have the biggest film industry in the world. Right. And we wouldn't need the Oscars. I mean, we, and that's one thing that we don't realize, especially in the States, because we've been taught to emulate, you know, European. We've been taught that they're the standard. And one thing that I feel like we need to understand, not just here but worldwide, is that we are enough. Sure. You know, we have everything that we need, and we are enough. You know, we need well, to we be need... our own role models. Um, I think someone, and I can't remember where I, I read this, but um, just in terms of entertainment, black people in America are are basically worth um, like a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, in art mm-hmm. and music and movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, we have the cachet, you know, and and the participation to to move numbers. I mean, I, I it, yeah. it still boggles my mind that it, Luke Cage follows us. Broke Netflix. Follows us. The film industry, fashion industry, music industry. You know, all those, anything, entertainment, sports, it follows, all the trends follow us. Like, we we set the standard. We set all the trends. The only thing the other races do is take it, make it theirs, and make a, a billion dollars off of it and don't give us credit for nothing. Well, that's true. I mean, world culture skews urban, black urban. Right. Okay. Just like, just like and... Elvis Presley. You know, he's supposed to be the greatest, the king of rock and roll or whatever, but what people don't know is, Elvis Presley, before he got famous, he used to go to the to the and sit at the back of the of the black church in Tupelo, Mississippi, and and listen to them play their music and take all that stuff he you know learned in the black church and put it in his own music. Well, that's true, and and you know the yeah. Rolling Stones and the Beatles freely right. admit that they they borrowed from you know uh, black rock and roll. Right, rock and roll is black. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where it came from. What, what, what's her yes, name? Uh, Loretta Thor. I don't know if it's just her first name. It's Thor, you know, the lady. I, I mean, and that's what they need to realize. Even with these comic books and stuff like that, like, you know, Superman, Spider Man, all that stuff. I'm sure if you do your research and go back, that came from probably some type of ancient African <laughs> history. You know, like the, the what they call it, the. Um, the Amazonian women, all that, you know, all that stuff came from us. And what we, like I said, we are enough. We have everything we need. And if I can dedicate my life and my work and my creativity to to building that concept and helping to reestablish that mentality in my people across the world, then I think I've done my job. Mhm, mhm. Well, and then um, you know product placement of your work in your work, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. of, of <laughs> yeah. your books and your work. You know, you definitely yeah. want to get that yeah. in there. Yeah, that's a part of it. <laughs> now, let me ask you something. Have you ever done any kind of collaborative 
work in your writing? I mean, obviously, film is collaborative. You know, you got a whole lot of people working together to make a film come together. Yeah. Um, do you see yourself uh, when you when you get over to Africa? Mm-hmm. You know how how easy is it going to be for you to work with others? Um, if I could find people who I can like, you know, I I work pretty easy with people. Like I, I think sure. I'm a team. I think I'm a team player. I'm not a hard person to work with. Um, unless uh-huh. you're an unless you're an asshole, then you know it's a real hard well, yeah. work with me. If if you like that, but hell, I, I want to collaborate before I get over there. I mean, if I can find mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. you know, if I can meet somebody here that I can get together. Like if somebody's an artist, and they say, you know, I want to do a comic book. You know, can you come up with some type of story or idea, concept, storyline? Oh yeah, let's do it. You know, even if it's a book, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't mind. I would love to collaborate and and work with people. I think that's mm-hmm. a good way to get connections in the you know market and get yourself out there too. Well, it's definitely it's helpful if you're going to be networking because you're pulling yeah. together a lot of different people. Yeah. Um. So, what what do you think your timeline for moving out there would be? Because you got people in the chat room already crying about you leaving the country. <laughs> oh man! Oh, it on what my money looking like. Cause I ain't gonna lie, I want to be rich. I want to be a millionaire. I want when I go over there, I want to have some power behind me. I want to have some money. I want to have somebody that make a difference, money. Well, when mm-hmm, I'm over there, mm-hmm. when I'm over there, I'm hitting the ground running. So I think, um, like you know, you said five years, maybe three years. You know, it just depends on, you know, how my plan works and how I work my plan. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, I I just want to caution you to be careful about, um, you know, falling for any of those Nigerian princes that have $30 million. Oh, no, I, I got my prince already. I don't need no more princes. I'm about to kill this one I got already. I think he, his ancestors yeah. might be from Nigeria somewhere because he gets to a place where he act a fool sometimes. So, no, I don't need no more princes. I had, mm-hmm. I had my prince for how long we done been together? Sixteen years, and that's enough time that's to want to be long, somebody. That's a good long time. We've mm-hmm. been married. We've been married for eleven years. We've been dating for sixteen years, and that's long enough to want to beat somebody over the head. So no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Man. Mm-mm. Well, um, we got about uh, we got about a little over ten minutes to go. Um, okay. Are there any other things about any other aspects about your creative life that you'd like to discuss, or anything that we didn't bring up that that you think would be of interest to the people who are going to listen to this? Mm, I make wigs. If anybody's interested, I make. Um, Do you really? Crochet. Yeah, I make um, crochet wigs. Actually, I just finished one. Uh, I posted it on my Facebook and on my Instagram. Yeah, I started. Um, when was that? Actually, last last November when I was on set. Uh, for the web series, I was um, okay. I had I had wore a wig to the web series, you know, because I said I didn't feel like doing my hair, so I'm just gonna throw on a wig. And then when I got there, the 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 one of my co my my cast members, she was like, "Oh, well, don't give me a wig too, because I don't want to do my hair either." So we went to the wig store and we was looking at all these different wigs, and I was like, "You know what? I can make this." And so I got home and I went and got me some cheap hair at the hair at the beauty um supply down the street. It was like twenty dollars, right? And I got me a wig. Right. Kept, got me a um, 
what they call it, um, the little weed cap. And I um, mm-hmm. sold, I sold the tracks on there, and I made my first weed. And I'm like, that's cool, but you know what? I don't want to be making no sticky weed, no sticky shit weed. I want to make me some nappy weed. So I went online, and I um, looked up all the tools and stuff it takes, you know, like the needles and the cap. Right. And I um, got that stuff, and I've been making, I've been practicing. And I I made I made one. I think I made about five wigs already, and I just finished one today because I learned how to do the lace closure, which takes forever. Because you have to, it's like you have to um, you have to um crochet the the hair in strand by strand, like one strand, you know, and it could take at a time. Yes. Yes. Oh, and that's precision work. It is, and it's tedious, and it, you know. And I was about to go crazy because I'm like, I'm never going to finish this week. But I actually finished doing it today, and I got to style it tomorrow. But, yeah, I make crochet wigs if anybody's interested. Um, I, you can, well, I guess it's on my Instagram. It's Artfro Wigs on Instagram. And I got a website called artfrowigs.com, but I hadn't put it up yet. I went about the domain name, and my husband is working on designing the site. But Uh-huh. Yes, A R T F R O Weeds, and it's on Instagram. You can follow me on there, and I, I got a page on Facebook too. But you know, I make weeds, and you know what? I might do some cosplay weeds. Like I was thinking about getting like some pink hair and yellow hair and like blue hair, and like making some like cosplay weeds. But you know, they have a little kink to them. Not too nasty, because I, you know, I want to be able to you know do the little thing. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You 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 are just having fun all over the place, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm you know, I'm, it's just my brain be everywhere sometimes. Like, and that's why I have mm-hmm. to when I when it's time for me to focus, I have to focus because I'm the type. Like I said, it's hard to be organized. It's hard to kind of you know because you know, and everybody keeps saying, Jackie, you need to focus on one thing. You got to find. But I'm not a one trick pony. I, I I just can't do it. I can't. Right. So I have to I have to find a way like if I'm writing, then it's gonna be this week I'm writing this week. If I'm working on a wig, okay, this is my wig week. You know, I have to separate my time and then on top of that I have to, you know, take care, you know, what I got my son, so it's like uh, on a writing day I sit down you know, I plan out my, my, my book, you know, I plan, you know, sketch out and make sure I get everything laid out. Then I got to go, you know, he wakes up, I got to give him his bottle, change his diaper and all that, and then I got to go write something else and go in there and make sure he at breakfast. You know, it's like back and forth all day, you know. Yeah. How old is he? He is 15 months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and is that your only child right now? Yep. It took us 10 years because I had uh, fertility issues. Um I think it came from wearing tampons as a teenager, and I probably got some type of toxic shock syndrome. And that's why Ooh, I tell young okay. girls, do not leave yeah. alone. Don't don't stick nothing in your body. Because my mama told me without air, you don't need to be wearing no tampons. It's going to mess you up. But mama, I don't like no plan. <laughs> they ain't no women listen to my mama. And then when I got old, uh, you know, I started having trouble, you know, just like with my natural, you know, cycle and stuff like yeah. that. And I I went through fertility treatments like three times before we was able to have him. And you Well, know, I, I mean, I, at I, least I, you got him. You got him. Yeah, I mean, you know. But, yeah, I was, 
I think I he was th- I was thirty eight when he was born, and wow. I don't you know and looking back you know it's worth it because I believe that I can do a better job as a mother now than I could have versus if I was in my twenties because I know more yeah. now you know say so I'm more you know a lot of people now. say that oh yeah a lot of people say that you know um that that when when you become parents like in your early twenties first of all it's hard to to figure out who you are as a person, yeah. you know, let alone be a parent and and be a partner and stuff like that. So probably yeah. I think you're right. You know, you're probably better settled, you know, yeah, than, than you would have been if you'd have been early. So yeah. uh, I would have messed earlier. the child up. I would have messed the child up back then because I, I had no problem with <laughs> what I would do. <laughs> now, uh-huh. oh, and that's the other thing. If I, I would guess that all of your books so far are basically adult fare, right? It's not young adult kind of uh, uh, reading level? Um, or, do, or do you think they work as young adult novels as well? Okay. Um, now, Sewing Machine is family-friendly. But, like, um, Murder, She Post, it'll have to be, yeah, that's, is young adult like teenager? Is that like young adult? Yeah, teenager. Yeah, teenager. Oh, teenager. Oh, well, Sewing machine. A teenager can read that. Mama's uh-huh. pills. Mama's pills can be read by a teenager because they don't have you know. But like murder she posed and Goodman wife. I know Goodman wife is not murder she posed have a, a little pro you know has profanity in it and um. Anna Rising can be read by a young adult too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know it's not it don't have any sex scenes or nothing like that, and it probably look cussing, but yeah, it's not really inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is good to know, uh, because you know a lot of books don't carry an advisory, and then if somebody reads it and gets offended, or you know they see their kid reading it or whatever. Yeah, I think you don't, they, you don't want to Kimba, go through that. Yeah. Kimba has a setting on there where they say like what audience is appropriate. If I remember correctly, I think they have a, a, a thing, a setting on there. I oh, have okay. To go back and, I have to go back and look because I can't remember now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, the, the last question I have is um, when when you think about, you know, kind of branching off, I mean, you, you've, got, you've got the drama. You have mm-hmm. real-life drama. You're mm-hmm. now getting into science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. You you know do you think you're gonna be touching on horror and fantasy as well? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm gonna keep doing horror and uh, fantasy too. I'm gonna stay in that realm because I think that I think that that's where that's where I na- I'm naturally am. You know, yeah, science yeah, uh-huh. fiction, horror, fantasy because those things have always been like subject matter that I've been fascinated with ever since I was a kid. So, you know, that's why I switched because, you know, I just feel comfortable in that space. Mhm. Yeah. Well, so, um we're coming we're coming up on the end here and uh first of all I want to thank you for, oh, for no, spending time. Thank you. For taking thank time you. out. Oh no, this is fun. It's fun yeah, for me. It, it Otherwise is. I wouldn't do it I wouldn't do it every Friday night. I mean think about it. Right. That, you know so you could be at every home. Friday night? I could be doing something. Let's just yeah. put it that way. You could be writing um, hidden figures on the date at Olive Garden or Red Lobster somewhere. 
don't know. You know, I'm kind of old. I'm all I'm all played out. You know, I'm I'm kind of oh, done with that whole dating thing. Man. Oh, um, man. And, and I I ain't going I ain't going to the club anymore. You know. Oh no, um, I don't do that. I can't. I didn't like the club when I was young, because to me it was too much smoke. And then if a guy come up in your face and approach you, his breath stink because he's been smoking a cigar and drinking. And, it was just, oh and then after after a couple of times, I'd be ready to go home. My friends call, used to call me lame because when I get to the club, after being there five minutes, I'm like, I'm ready to go. They're like They used to hate taking me to the club with them. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, Jackie, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for telling us about your life and definitely for telling us about uh, about your work. Okay, thank um, you. And and I, I hope this was not uh, I hope this was a good experience for you. It oh, just was. so that you know, uh, Jarvis will convert this to a, uh, a YouTube file. You know, the Yay! next couple of days. Okay. And then, and then that way, that way you can link to it so that people can hear at least uh, at least this interview and maybe you know maybe get to know you a little bit better. You know. Okay. Cool. Cool beans. All, all shy. All shyness aside. Uh, yeah. Um, for the rest of the people, this has been kind of a weird day for America when you swear in a guy yeah, who is bragging weird. about grabbing women by their you know what. Uh, as president, so it's it, it's a very surreal day, very surreal day. Why? Um, I want to thank you. Well, it, it just is. I mean, it's kind of, you know what it is? Today was the ultimate circumstance mm-hmm. and, and the ultimate result of the, the dumbing down of America. You know, mm-hmm. people, people yeah. obviously don't think very deeply about issues. And have they, have they ever? I mean, well, it's the same. It's the same old, same old. The only difference is now it's in our face. They're not having it no more. It's the, well, that that difference. is true. That is it, true. Yeah, that's the only difference. We see it now. It's no more charades. It's no more hiding behind the, you know, the the black. No, it's it's. Well, and the thing is, it's never really changed. So, see, no. you know, they they they've just come they've just come out from under their rocks. Yes, anyway. I, I want to thank you for being here. I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm looking to see if Jarvis had uh, pizza brought to him and if he's gonna come in or not, or if he has to run up the stairs. Okay. Because uh, he usually closes out the show. But but I do want to thank you for being here. I want to thank those the people thank who listen live and the people who picked it up pick up the show as a uh, podcast. And mm-hmm. hopefully I get to run into some of these people who I've interviewed uh, at uh, Boss Phone in middle of February in Boston. Cool. So if, if, if Jarvis is around, uh, he, oh, there he is. Okay. Jarvis? Yeah, me now? Yes. Yeah. I can hear you. The, the other guy doesn't work for him anymore, so I'm, I need to audition. Okay. <laughs> Give it a shot. Go ahead. Can, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, this was a, a great show. Thank you, Jackie, for coming on and Thank sharing you something. For having me. Yeah, I think you still hear a few things because you didn't tell them about your dogs, but we'll talk about that on, on the next time you come okay. on. But thank you for talking about, you know, your philosophy, your background. And um, I was unaware of, of the, the some of the film stuff you were doing in terms of that uh, show that you were talking about. So it was, I, I actually learned some new stuff. 
and it's really encouraging. And William, thank you for making it entertaining as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also thank everybody for sharing uh, the information about this uh, broadcast and for listening in. And it, it was just a great experience listening to you. And that's, I think you brought something different that uh, a lot of people uh, haven't heard. And, you know, we, you, we do hear about the inner city all the time. And that that's one aspect um, that needs improvement. But you brought another aspect where not all of us are from the inner city. You know, I'm, I come from a similar background uh, from a smaller town, and we face some of those same things. Where not in not in my particular neighborhood, we didn't have a boys club and and things of that nature. I had to like kind of venture part ways across town to get to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing, but depending on how small your town is, you don't have it at all. I remember right. one of my cousins, uh, what what relative, one of my relatives, uh, we were visiting there, and some of their people were from a smaller town, and they were they they were just amazed. The kids were just amazed. Oh, do y'all got a Walmart? Can we go to Walmart? Right. They didn't have, <laughs> not didn't have a mall. They didn't even have a Walmart. So they were just just amazed, enamored by that. So bringing that aspect of uh, looking toward that uh, demographic and trying to fill a fill a need there that was a great idea. And like I said, I just had fun listening to you real off the cuff. <laughs> 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 and so thank it was very entertaining and enlightening. Thank you for coming along. Oh, thank you for having me. Great. And I make sure you share some of the stuff you're doing on the site. Uh, we got a lot of things that we want to accomplish this year. And um, we want to continue to showcase uh, people like you and others that have talent on the site. Okay. I will. <laughs> All right. And if you have like boats or something where you're going to be, uh, if it's not already in the calendar, post it on the calendar because I know there's uh, Onyxcon Sankofa coming up where we'll be down there. Um, there's uh, the Atlanta Sci-Fi and Fantasy Expo coming up in March as well. We'll be yeah. back down in that direction. So um, if you know of something that we don't, post it on there so we can share it. Okay, I will. All right. Will you get any other words? No. Um... We got a few more shows before I'm going to be out in Boston. I'm going to maybe try to line up some people at the convention because there's okay. actually people who we know, and then maybe try to do a Friday night show from the convention. Okay. Do try to do it live. Yeah. Okay. Just make sure you have a good Wi-Fi connection. <clears throat> well, actually, I'm yeah. For me, it'll be Wi-Fi, but for everybody else, I'm going to have them dial in on their phones. Okay, good deal, good deal. That sounds like a great idea. Oh, and I want to inform everybody that the latest uh, Genesis Science Fiction magazine is available. It's at genesissciencefictionmagazine.com. Feel free to uh, go in there and check it out. Uh, The e-version is up now, and the print version will be available in about a week and a half to two weeks. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. time for me to write something for for the next one or two. There we go. Or, or a possible yeah. interview. I don't think we've interviewed you for the magazine. No, you have not. So we have to immortalize. I, you know, I, I just hope I have something interesting to say. 
<laughs> okay, that's that's a misnomer because you always have some interest. To say. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> In some form or fashion. All right. Well, on that note, I want to wish everybody a good week ahead. Again, we will see you all here Friday night live or visit and uh, check out all of the podcasts. We have three years' worth of shows that are up on um, YouTube and on TalkShoe. So uh, tell your friends who may be interested in, you know, this kind of content that we have interviews that they're just not going to find anyplace else. All right. So that about wraps it up, you two. Jackie, All thank right. you very, very much. All right. And, um, yeah, just just hang on after we stop the show just in case anybody has one last question for you, okay? Okay. All right. Thanks much, Jarvis. Take it uh, home. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus